Welcome to Geek and Country's D20 Date Night Discussions, where we take our kids' favorite movies and look at them through the lens of Dungeons and Dragons, because that's not geeky at all. <laughs> if you've ever looked for a new way to enjoy your kids' favorite movies while watching them for the zillionth time, then come along with us as we do an in-depth discussion of the characters and plots of these beloved movies, as if they were a D&D adventure. All right, now it's time for the important part. We have a golden D12 die from Die Hard Dice that we are going to roll and see what we are going to be discussing tonight. Okay, you gotta roll it. I am. Frozen. Okay, that really is a two. So we're going to talk about Frozen and Frozen 2. Did you just think I lied about that? Well... I would have had a DM screen up here, so it would have hidden it from you. <laughs> In fact, let me, uh, <laughs> next time. So, we are going to talk about Frozen first, and then we'll see if we can get into uh, Frozen 2 a little bit there, too. Let's see here. <laughs> so, let's pull up the... Goodness, that was in 2013? Okay. Alright, so... So, and you and I have discussed this before a little bit, and the fact that Frozen, despite the fact that Elsa is the one with the powers, and she's the one that has the big song, the movie itself is more about Anna. And especially now that Frozen 2 is out, you can see that difference where the Frozen 2 is a little bit more about Elsa than it is about Anna. So, but we're going to decide as we talk about this. So, step one, we want to talk about our main characters. So, our main characters are obviously Anna. Elsa, Elsa, Kristoff, and Olaf. I don't think we count the reindeer. No, but are we going to count Prince Hans? I mean, he's a main character, right? I mean, we haven't discovered, we haven't talked about where well, he stands yet. If we're going to take this as a D and D perspective, I think Anna, Elsa, Kristoff, and Olaf comprise the party. The party, yeah. The D and D adventuring party, if you will. Right. Prince Hans turns out to be the bad guy. Right, and he's left behind anyway. We don't have to say spoilers for a 2013 Disney movie, I right? I hope not. Um, spoilers! Yeah. <laughs> but he turns out to be the surprise bad guy with the whole thing. And, um... Yeah. So, so he's... Yeah. Okay, so he's in our next section of stuff. So, we are going to start first talk about our main characters. So... Our main characters, Anna, Elsa, Kristoff, Olaf, four. So what classes do we have here? So Anna. Um, I, we've talked about this a little bit before. I keep talking about things like bard or barbarian and fighter. You disagree on a lot of those because you're like, she has no magic. Well, I think you could say your argument usually is she rushes headlong mm -hmm. into things. And that's definitely along the. Barbarian fighter class. Barbarian or fighter, something like that. I don't see bard. You know, it's very entertaining and stuff like that. And just yeah. because they're singing, it's just a, well, that doesn't no. mean anything. It's a Disney movie. They don't think that has anything to do with it. It's just there's not a lot of fighting in right, this Disney movie. Not. To be fair, so you kind of. But when they come into th things like that, like the big snowman's after him and everything, the big snow monster, ice monster, whatever, she's the first one to be like throw things at him and all that kind of stuff. And that's more along the last class of like fighter barbarian right. class i definitely think it's uh i, I would say fighter for the most part because she's a little or, more culture than a barbarian 
Yeah, I mean, the, I mean really. in D&D perspectives, the barbarian's main feature is to rage mm-hmm. and then go into combat for that. She doesn't rage. She doesn't, you know, go into that blind, right, mad at the world kind of thing. She just instigates. Yeah, just runs so, headlong first. I can do it. That's kind of how I would put yeah. her for that. Okay, all right. Fighter. Um... Elsa, Elsa, pretty easy. Sorcerer. Straight up sorcerer. Yeah. Magic powers given to her at birth. Yeah. From some unknown place. That you find out about later. One, the other movie. Spoiler alert! Yeah. <laughs> that one might be a little bit more spoiler. That movie's not even a year old yet, so. Yep. I think we made it leave most of it out if possible. That's true. Let's just focus right on now, Frozen. It's not even six, the movie's not even six months old yet. Yeah. But it's on Disney Plus. That's true. That does help. Um, Which they did like three months early, but whatever. Um, yeah, straight up sorcerer. Um, so it draws on inherent magic from a gift or bloodline. I mean, obviously, yeah. that's that's obviously uh, straight out of the Elsa, player's handbook. Uh, focus, um, yeah, ice, but ice water, water, ice. It's all ice, isn't it? Yeah, it's but that doesn't water, really. But that's not really a part of the whole sorcerer mm-hmm. thing. I didn't know if they like picked like. Uh, I mean, you pick Focus. subclasses Subclass, and stuff like you. that, but it doesn't... I mean, that's just kind of a a descriptive thing more than anything else. Like, you would... You could pick mainly, like, ice spells and stuff like that right. and make it work like that. Okay. So, Kristoff. I mean, we've talked about this. Ranger, right? Gotta be. Yeah, he's got his animal companion. He lives on his, his own in the woods fin. most of the time. Yeah, he's... Much better around animals than he is people. Yeah. And yeah, I would definitely say, with his concern for nature and animals, the reindeer and yeah, friends with trolls, friends with trolls, yeah, raised by trolls, whatever you want to call it. Like, I mean, that's like a beautiful background for like, oh, yeah, a yeah. ranger. I mean, D and D, like that's just beautiful. Raised by trolls in the woods, and I live with my reindeer. And it's weird that if you think about it, if you watch the movie, did the trolls kidnap him? Basically. Because he was just following along with the guys that cut the ice. And then like, Mama Troll comes up and he's like, I'm going to keep you. Yeah. Although I got I, the impression that he didn't really have family. Did he, he was working as a kid. Did he not? Maybe he was following his dad Maybe to the ice was, field. But his dad he, never came look for him. Did he? Who knows? The trolls did him. Yeah, the trolls look like rocks. Who knows? But how they how they had you know, a hole in the ground? A hole in the ground. Rock on top. Behind a tree? I mean, any number of places. They're trolls. They had magic. That's true. They did have magic. We haven't gotten to those yet. Well, there'll be just secondary discussion in a little while. But, uh, but yes, kidnapped him. They, they absolutely did. Although, I like to pretend in my in, to myself that he was an orphan trying to make ends meet with his only trusty friend, Sven, another baby reindeer orphan, and that was, and so the trolls actually saved his life. Ah, uh, the different ways we look at the world. <laughs> he was straight baby snatched. <clears throat> Olaf, bard. Without a doubt. Bard. Comic relief. Just, I mean, just... He doesn't actually have magic powers, but he is of a magic he construct. He is a magic creature, yeah. So, you can kind of... Kind of get a... You know, but he does inspire. Um, yeah, I think you could argue that. Um, a lot of his stuff comes from his talking skills, his people skills, mm-hmm. right. his awkwardness around stuff. It's kind of his charm and in um, like when he tried to talk to the big snowman and right, all exactly. that kind of just, it doesn't yeah. 
just comic relief for the group. Yeah. But I think um, looking at the D&D subclasses, I think that would be the best one for it. Bard, yeah. An inspiring magician. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say it's a literal translation, but I think uh, it's close enough. Yeah, well, it works. I think it works. Um, let's see here. Yeah. So those are our main characters. That's definitely the, uh, the adventuring party for it. Um, if you want to talk about other characters, you'd have the NPCs of the group. Obviously, all the folks that work in the castle and right, all that, the but they're pretty much unnamed yeah. characters at that point. Um, I mean, then there's Prince Hans, and then the... The Weaseltown guy. It's Wesselton! Wesselton! Yeah. That dude, and, um, and his people that he sends after Elsa. Yeah, I, mean, I, I think those those guys are just generic bad guys. Yeah. And um, they're, just generic, they're just generic, you know, Bandit 1, Bandit 2 right. kind of thing. You know, no-named henchmen. They don't really count. They're just a challenge to be overcome. So, well, so they, we call them a party, but really it's Elsa by herself and then the other three. Oh, no, I think it's a, a party and it just, they've split the party. Which they is, split, yeah. yeah. Okay, so single party, the split El- into Elsa's two Elsa's figuring out her own little story. Anna so her and goal. Kristoff are doing their little thing and Olaf is doing their little thing, which is trying somewhat to help her mm-hmm. unknowingly. Right. You know, it's obviously a very well-written movie, which is why it was insanely successful. So, but Elsa, like, the, her, so we're talking about, like, the goal of their of the adventure, right? So, Elsa's goal is to figure out who she is, figure out where she belongs, figure out how to, how to, uh, not even how that, to, actually. How to live with, her, with powers. her powers. Yeah, exactly. Is what her main purpose is, and, you know, when they're little and playing, it's just fun until she... Hits Anna with the magic, right, and yeah. all that, and then it's suddenly scary. And then it's scary, and then her and then parents did a very poor job of helping her yeah. Yeah, really by locking did. her in a room. Yeah, they, they really did. Hey, where are these gloves? It'll stop magic. And um, but she's trying to come to grips with who she is and using the magic and using her magic and living with living that. with her magic. Yeah, and not not killing. Yeah, everybody. and I guess her way of doing that was to run and. Go off by herself. Mm-hmm. Just you know, she's by herself. She can't hurt anyone. Doesn't have to worry about anything like that. Not even realizing the true extent of her power and what, what ha- what's happening when she's deciding not to control it at all. Right. It wasn't until she was off by herself where she kind of began to get a grasp of what all she could actually do with building that ice castle mm-hmm. and well, that. But the all fact that, that she's so she almost got to the point where when she took off, she decided, you know, before she left, it was all about uber control. Like, I can't let anything out. I have to control right. every aspect. And as soon as she ran away, she's like, oh, I'm going to let, I'm not, not going to control anything. Which is, of course, when you got the big ice storm, everybody's in the, you know, everybody's covered in the snow. Which she didn't even realize that because she let go of all control, then she had nothing at all. And so it's how do, how do you get that balancing act? How do you figure out? So that, I mean, that's, right. and she doesn't even realize at the beginning, so the very beginning of the movie, where she is locking herself up and putting the gloves on. The goal is, how do I absolutely control every aspect of my power? In the middle of the movie, she takes off, and she's like, how can I, what can I do with my power? She's figuring, that's her, like that's what she's figuring out, right, with the ice castle and everything. Like, look at all these things I can do. And then finally at the very end, she's like, wait, this is how I can manage and live with my power. 
Yeah, I think the um, love is the answer, right? Right. Her main goal, or her main goal, is to learn how to live with her power. Well, that's what that she it has. becomes. I think that's the whole thing in the beginning is to learn how to deal with it. You know, because mm-hmm. she tries to figure out how she to. She tries to control it. When I mean, think back to the coronation scene. She tries to control it long enough to hold the scepter hold everything, yeah. and the whatever the, the other thing. Hands. Yeah, exactly. She's unable to control it. I think that's her. The difficulty of it for her. The goal is to try to figure out how to control her power. The conflict is the power in itself right. and her lack of control of it. Um, I think that she learns by the end that she doesn't need to try to do it by herself. I think that's her major revelation for the movie. Well, and I also think to rely on where she shut her sister out was when she had the hardest time controlling right. it. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, when they come back together and uh, the true love conquers all, or right. yeah. kind of thing. Is when she realizes that with the help of her sister, she actually has more control. Right. She doesn't well, have to hide who she is. And I think it also, because it, at the very beginning, she's thinking, how can I not hurt everybody? Rather than, how can I love everybody? Right? So so when she's locking herself up and she's closing everybody off, she's just like, don't touch me, don't touch me, nobody can touch me. Whereas at the, at the end, she realizes, oh no, how do I love everybody and take care of everybody? And so once she f- changes the focus of herself and her powers, then her control changes. Yeah, I mean, I'd say her character goes uh, a pretty major change in perspective mm-hmm. throughout the whole thing. Anna, hers. Her goal is to f- is know to be her, with her sister. S- is to figure, yeah, be, be friends with her, her sister. Yeah, get to know her sister after she gets shut out after they were kids. Yeah, and I, that's, mean, I mean, I'd say her goal stays pretty consistent. It does. I mean, because even the whole wanting to play with her before, um, before any the bad thing happens, before the accident, mm-hmm. she just wants to be with her sister and love her sister and be friends with her sister. That's all she wants, and that's what she wants the entire time, until except for that very little bit in the middle where she's all about, "Ooh, Prince Hans, I can love you. This is wonderful." Well, I think that's still related because I think that's. She wants just, a connection. She is trying to find a connection, so she latches on to the first person that showed interest in her. And it yep. was the you know, her one true love that she met ten minutes ago. Yep. Poor decision. But you know, we all make them when we're young. She follows the Disney movie paradigm. Yeah. Meet Prince once, fall in love. Yeah. And kiss. It's all better. Yeah. Right. Well. Um So Kristoff. I don't know that he actually has a goal. I mean, the only goal the that he has... His whole purpose is just to... Ass- I mean, those He's clearly, more like a sidekick, almost. Yeah, clearly Odd and Elsa are the main two protagonists of this story. You could almost look at Kristoff and Olaf as, like you said, sidekicks. Just that sidekick, yeah. they're just there to, to round out the party, to give a little mm-hmm. more variety than just the two sisters going through their stuff. Um while Kristoff does have a major part kind of towards the end in rescuing right, he does Anna have and obviously being her one true love and, and yeah. by the end of it and all that, you know, their relationship grows and gives her someone else to bond with. Mm-hmm. Well, and she goes. wouldn't even get, like, she wouldn't even make it to the ice castle without him, right? Like, I mean, oh, not at all. Yeah, she, she fell in the water and then <laughs> found the, uh, the random store in yeah. the middle of the woods trading post. Wandering Oaken. Yep. And Sauna. <laughs> and, um, but yeah, I'd, I'd say the same goes for Kristoff as Olaf. Is they're just there as part of the group. They don't have their own... They don't have their own story. Their own Their own story goals. through the whole thing. I mean, Olaf is a snowman that was created by magic. 
really nothing yeah. really there. He doesn't grow. He doesn't really change. His goal is to get a warm hug. He, he is a happy-go-lucky, care-for-them person at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And at the end. And at the end. And in the middle. His goal is to be there and to help other people. Yeah. And Kristoff's the same way. Yeah. He, well, he's not so much. I mean, his his reason to be for being in the movie is to help along the story and everything and, and make sure that she can do what she needs to do. Anneliese can do what she needs to do. But Kristoff's goal is not to help. If he, I mean, he doesn't well, want anything is, to do with his, her. His goal was to help, but his motivation for helping well, was not just okay. to be kind, right. just to help. His motivation for helping was, I'll pay you. Yes, yes. She paid for his supplies, basically. Yeah. and The carrots. Can't forget the carrots. I mean, any f- ranger with his friendly animal companion, if you take care of the animal companion, you'll befriend the ranger, too. Right, exactly. Someone who tends to play that kind of class and stuff, you, you can relate so, what about our setbacks? Um, the setbacks are pretty straightforward. Um, obviously, Elsa freaking out, running away, yeah, would be one of her setbacks. Well, but I also think that leads to her shift in goals. It does as well. I mean, at the very beginning, the setback was be the accident between them, where it splits yeah. them apart, right? Yeah. And then, I mean, their parents' death is probably a pretty big setback. What do you think? Because suddenly she's the queen and. Well, suddenly she is left with no guidance. No guidance. She leaned on her parents for guidance. I mean, even though it was poor and they locked her in a room and gave her a pair of gloves, well, they were there for her. They were. In and, their own way. And they followed the guidance they had. Right. Which is why, well... We're not talking about Frozen 2 yet. So yes. So... That, that will come later. Yes. But um, but they they were try- they tried to help her as much as they could with the knowledge they had. I agree with you. It was very poor, but they tried so, but when concern so, was in the their heart was in the right oh, place. Absolutely, yes. Good plan, poor execution. Right. So, but they, so you know, it, accident to begin with, but that split apart Anna and Elsa, and then you had the parents' death, where then it isolated them both even more. So they were isolated from each other at the beginning, but they at least had their parents. But then the parents died, and so now they're completely isolated, where it's just them individually. Yeah, I mean, you can see with Anna's interactions throughout the movie. And her songs and everything else that they wrote for her, that she is just longing for companionship, just a meaningful, um, a meaningful relationship of some kind that comes, you know, the the staff of the castle aren't a meaningful relationship. They are there. They're just, like you said, they're just generic townsfolk who you don't really interact yeah, with, other than like it, the main head guy of the castle, and it's really just a. He's just the NPC there to push the plot along. Hey, we're going to open the gates. Hey, we're ready for the coronation. Hey, this or that. Nothing really particular with it. Um, I mean, yeah, you get the impression when she talks about talking all the time about all the paintings on the walls that she doesn't have a lot of interaction even though there are NPCs in the castle. I'd say the next major setback would probably be Anna presenting Prince Hans to Elsa because that's what causes her to flip out, freak out, and run off. Would you consider the coronation a setback because they had to open the gates, and so Anna suddenly—I mean, not Anna, but Elsa—Elsa Elsa suddenly inundated with all these people. I think it's all one, all related one. Because coronation, right? It's just that engagement. whole section, right, is the setback for Elsa. Yeah, the whole event. Right. It just begins at the coronation, opening the gates for the coronation, and it ends with Anna presenting somebody who wouldn't even have been there had it not been for the opening the gates and the coronation. They otherwise they would have maintained the status quo. Right. 
you know, never seen each other and been on with it. And when she goes, and then from there, it's when she strikes her again. Just kind of really snaps, but just has that outpouring of magic and that emotional moment in her ice fortress. Right, yeah. And it hits Anna. And then she gets obviously captured by the uh, Duke of Wesselton's goons. Right. Well, now for Anna, you know, she runs off with her horse, then she gets thrown. She gets. Yeah, I don't really call those major setbacks. Like but the setback what about I'm when, thinking is like the major plot point setback. But what? What about when Elsa like kicks her out of the ice castle? What we we're just saying. Oh, okay, it's, so the same, it's the same setback. It's it just leads to different, different growth for different characters. Elsa mm-hmm. sees what she did to her sister and kind of resigns herself to being caught and whatever's going to happen with it. And then Anna has to deal with getting magic cured or the curse True cured or whatever. Kiss. Yeah. And and that's kind of the big part of it for her. Mm-hmm. And then the other, I mean, the probably that may be the biggest of the setbacks, but one of the biggest plot twist ones would be Prince Hans not being her true love like Anna obviously believed he was. Right, I mean, well, that's a huge setback for Anna, right? That is the huge that setback. That is the setback. Me. Hard to say which one's bigger, getting hit with the ice or that, but I guess that would be a setback of the plot point of getting hit with yeah. the ice, mm-hmm. because that would have been the cure for her, she believed. Well, I mean, it's like two betrayals in one, right? She gets betrayed by her sister because she's essentially attacked by her sister, and then she gets betrayed by her supposed true love. Yeah, I mean, that's what it is, and then after that, I mean, it's kind of the... The resolution of the whole thing is not the typical Disney true love's first kiss, just the act of true love. Right. You know, and... I mean, actually just proving the point of just because you say true love, it doesn't have to be man, woman, in love. True love can be any number of things. Right. It's it's very good the way they did that. They kind of stepped away from their traditional prince-princess instant marriage kind of situation and marriage and perfect life yay yeah everything's great and then they went to uh, the sister sacrificing herself for the other one Mm -hmm. and actually helping the whole thing well saving everybody she saves Elsa she saves herself she saves the town she she fixes it all with one one selfless act yeah I'd say I mean that's like kind of the big point to take away of the whole climax of the whole thing everything after that's just kind of Sunshine and Rainbow's rewards. The town's the town's better. She gets. I mean, Kristoff's rewards. He gets a new sleigh, sled, mm-hmm. whatever. Sleigh. Yeah. Sleigh. And uh, Olaf gets his personal flurry. Mm-hmm. And then. Well, Kristoff does actually get the girl too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and then the, they get the relationship of each other. They mm-hmm. can be a little more open with each other now. The doors, the gates stay open. They don't right. shut each other out anymore, which is the biggest non-tangible piece of it. Oh, it is, right. Like, suddenly the, the doors are open, the windows are open, everyone is, and, you know, you even had that last scene where she sets every, you know, sets the, up the ice so everybody can do ice skating in the middle mm-hmm. of the summer, right? And it just shows the connection between the townspeople and the royal, the royalty. Yeah, that act changed the way they look at the world, changed everything for the better for that And whole changed little... the life of the whole town, right? right. Because obviously... If the if the castle was all shut up, the whole town felt it. I mean, you knew that from the very beginning, where 
of well, right the day of coronation where all the people are running around. They're like, the gates are open. The gates are open. Yeah. Like everybody was excited about it. And then let's see. So well, any so, other encounters? We've kind of talked about that as we went through it, but we can break it down a little more specifically. The interaction here. with the NPCs. I mean, well, we've talked about that as we went through as well. We skipped that. Oh, you're, based on you're our out, looking at our outline, we already talked about the resolutions because we just did that part. Yeah, we just did that part. So we're now at the oh the encounters like so combat role playing problem yeah, solving. So, I mean, combat sort of exists, but not really. They try yeah. to capture Elsa. Yeah. But that's I mean she easily defeated the henchman until she gave up after she hurt Anna. Yeah. There was Basically. that. <clears throat> she also they that I did have the ice monster right. Everybody had to fight the ice monster. Yeah, but it wasn't. I mean, it, they had to get past him. It was just a guard. It so they just get past the guard to go to the the boss. Right. <laughs> Which in this case was Elsa. All in it there. really was. Um, let's see. Who? I mean, there were a lot of problems to solve as they went along, like mm-hmm. finding. Like, off for honor. She had to find Elsa. She, all she did was take off on a horse. No idea where she was going or anything like that. Right. And that's where um, Kristoff, and again, that's very D&D-esque of the ranger. His favorite terrain being the forest or the mountains. Mm-hmm. Right. He knew the area. He was able to help this is where you are. defeat where the wolves you and get her where she was trying to go pretty easily. Because right. that's how his class works, yeah. D&D-wise. Survival. Right. He rolls very high on his checks. Like, when he... Uh, Notices the wolves, mm-hmm. the wolves howling. Um, I mean, even the dexterity of ma- of making that leap with the the sled that you know yeah. tossing her over. It's like Sven gets over because he, he's on that she's on Sven, so Anna makes it, but he has to make the leap, right? Yeah. Um. So, but the, the you're right. They do a ton of uh, problem solving. Yeah, I mean the whole the whole movie's a solving the problem of how to deal with Elsa and her powers. Right. And yeah, and well, you've got back to down to what we talked about a minute ago with the resolution of the true, the act of true love with the sister mm-hmm. sacrificing yeah. herself for the other. Um, they do now. You do have the troll interaction, but that's quite a bit of role playing, right? Yeah, oh, definitely. Uh, the trolls and the the grandpa troll or whatever his mm-hmm. name is. His whole, I mean, that's the whole thing is interacting with the friendly. NPC who has this piece of information to help you, you solve mean, your problem. How do you get it? Yeah. Right. You know who has it. And that's, again, where Kristoff comes into play. That's where he's that quintessential NPC, that tag-along NPC. Like he knew where to go for the answer because he had seen it before. Right. Because he was raised by these trolls and, you know, it was a, a funny little moment where they didn't know what was going on when he was just talking to the rocks mm-hmm. before yeah. they showed themselves <laughs> yeah. as trolls. Um... But I mean the whole the whole thing is a role playing kind of encounter. Like when you go back to the the situations in the coronation mm-hmm. ceremony, that's a whole big grand event ceremony. Oh yeah, and with the her Duke doing of that. Wesselton or whatever. Right, yeah. and his his little whole section about trying to gain the secrets of why they closed the gates initially, which was Elsa's magic powers which she right. was hiding. But nobody knew. That nobody knew about. Which and I find really hard to believe, but okay. Very loyal employees of like had to be of Arendelle, and the, from that, yeah. And then you got the the Duke of Wesselton, like just the whole dance scene where he's trying to he's trying to use his persuasive charisma, yeah, charisma, in order to get the answers from Anna, the information from Anna, 
and I guess he rolls very poorly because <laughs> that's what you get <laughs> yeah that's one of the things though he, he was trying to get information from something that didn't have any information to give right. so it doesn't matter what he would have rolled that was uh, in D&D terms he probably that DM probably wouldn't even have asked for a roll right then you know without it was a good NPC interaction mm-hmm. for yeah. that character yeah though it gave her a chance to speak with somebody other than the staff mm-hmm. it did and it also gave her the chance to be saved from by right. it, set up, it set up a good uh, moment for the bad guy to step Hell in yeah. and get himself in the good graces so I guess we kind of already did that part so magic items quest rewards any kind of thing I mean you've got the really... quest reward would be his sled at the end yeah right? I mean it's not a they didn't get like a they didn't like open the dungeon master's guide to the quest reward section. Mm-hmm. They're already the princess and queen of yeah. this village. The the money you know there's no money reward. Theirs were more not um, not tangible not tangible rewards, but the interactions with each other the the relationship relationship the rewards. Yeah, uh, you could see as Elsa's reward was learning how to actually control her powers mm-hmm. and getting her sister back. Getting her sister back. I mean, and Olaf. I mean, they got Olaf. I mean, you could say that is actually one of the rewards of the whole thing was the resurrection, more or less, mm-hmm. of Anna after she True. was frozen. Yeah, because that was the reward for the sacrifice, which was the kind of whole point of the thing. Mm-hmm. So the the quest reward was a the magic, the the weave, whatever they you want to call it, releasing its spell on her. Okay, you're right, yeah. Because you also see her hair comes back mm-hmm. solid color. She doesn't have the white streak anymore. She's peeled completely. Right, so that that's kind of a... And there's actually a section in the, the, the Dungeon Master's Guide where it talks about rewards that are other than... Tangible, not money, right, not it's, swords. It's not no. a magic weapon, a magic piece of armor or something like that. It's boons and stuff mm-hmm. like that that you can, as a Dungeon Master, grant to players. And that's more along the lines of what I would say this is, rather than, hey, here's a magic sword... I guess you say Kristoff got a new sleigh. That's yeah. kind of cool. Now, we've already talked about Olaf being a bard, but would you consider him a magic item reward? No. Because, you, you, I mean, they didn't have him before this all happened. They were about to lose him, and then yeah, Elsa was able to save him. at the same time, I think he's more... I mean, he's a lot more sentient than a lot of what you would anything, consider a reward. maybe he's Elsa's familiar... Actually, she, that, that she would cast a the lot fine familiar spell with her little snow magic and, and made snowman. a little snowman instead of a, an animal. Um, I mean, well, I, yeah. I, I could say that, but it, it it's more than that because he takes on more of a, a life, more of a role. Too intellect. He has too much intellect. But if you want to go on that same line, the boon of it could be granted again that he has granted his own independence. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, the spell brought him into existence, but then he was granted his own independence. Because without him, Anna would have never made it out to Elsa anyway. I mean, he's the one that went and got her out of the out of the castle. Yeah. Anna. I mean, he went, you know, he went and he found her. He unlocked the door. Remember, Hans had locked her in and had and he started the fire for her and got her up to the point of where she could go and leave, which she was had try, he was trying to get her to Kristoff. But right. <clears throat> but I mean, if it hadn't been for him, Anna couldn't have even made it to save Elsa. So maybe that. But at the same time, I think he's more along the lines of another member of the adventuring party that they just pick up along the way. He's not there at the beginning. His party Mm -hmm. kind of grows as the adventure progresses. They start as just the two sisters, as the two characters in this party, and then they pick up the ranger. 
Right. Which, if you think about it, it's kind of very Lord of the Rings-ish. <laughs> yeah, it is. Two. Right. The four hobbits start off, and they pick up the ranger along the way, and then they pick up the fighters and El- you know all the other people in um, Rivendell and Prancing Pony and, and everywhere. Yeah. Um, but all in all, I mean, Disney movies in general. I, I don't know if the Disney guy. If it's just it's just classic storytelling, and that's what D and D is all about too. Is just creating a good story, and Disney creates good stories. Yeah, they do. You know, it's a it's a very time-honored tradition of how it goes, you know, with the climax and the issues and the problems and the resolution. And a lot of them are very relationship-focused, right? It's not just... Well, a lot of the newer ones are very relationship-focused. A lot of the older ones are always damsel in distress, guys go save her, yay! But now it's... There's no time to get to know... The characters. The characters. There's not really character progression mm-hmm. so much now, as there is in, in, in yeah, Frozen in, as we were talking about versus some of the other ones that we'll mm-hmm. talk about later. Um, but no, yeah, here you do have that character progression, that growth. I mean, not just in the, right. hey, I was a kid, and, now I'm an adult, but also in the And that's what makes for a good D&D game, too. It's not just, hey, I go fight monsters. It's your character starts off as this level one, can, you know, swing a sword once every six seconds and maybe hit something right. versus by the end they can swing a sword Three times, four times per turn. Yeah, and they know so and much more, too. They walk into an area and they know, oh, this area must be right. having and this issue because of X, Y, Z. And even, I mean, good characters are more than just stats on a page. Yes. It's not just the modifiers and the items that make it up. It's the role-playing that goes into the character, the backstories you come up with and how that can progress which as a player for a D&D group, you kind of want to have. So your DM has that to work with to really help jointly weave that very good, detailed story. Well, I mean, it's story. the whole nature versus nurture. You know, are you who you are because of your race and class? Or are you who you are because of the experiences you've had? It's obviously a combination of the two, but sometimes your race and your class went out. And sometimes the things that you've experienced went out. It all depends, right? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely dependent upon what you're doing. And that's the cool thing about D&D is, is what your interest is. If you want to play in a group that's full, more role play, you know, my character was a blacksmith and then goblins attacked the town and he took up a hammer and a, went and fought him off and now he's this cool adventurer and you can tell this cool story of that versus you come to the table and all you want to do is roll the dice and swing a sword and hit something that's the cool thing about the game is everybody can kind of get what you want out of it and that's the cool thing about disney movies especially as a parent and watching disney movies with your kid for the three thousandth time of watching frozen i love how you think it's just three thousand i can watch it with this different perspective yeah i mean even watching some of the ones that we watched like when i was a kid and stuff like that you know i watched it to enjoy a disney movie then but i can go back and rewatch the same movie now and look at it like, oh, that's clearly a D&D. That's clearly a D&D group. I mean, Obviously. you've got this group of people here. They meet together. They do this thing. They solve this problem. They get this cool thing afterwards. Mm-hmm. The, the format is there. Right. And it's it's kind of fun to be able to watch these movies again and, you know, and have see to. See them in a different way. And look at it in a different way. It makes it worth watching again. It makes it easier to watch something you know you're going to have to watch a bunch of times anyway. It makes it easier to be able to look at look at it from that different perspective 
than you were able to in the past. Yeah. But that's what we'll try to continue to do as we go through more of these is related to Disney movies, to D&D characters, D&D games, D&D campaigns, and the fun of watching these movies again under a new light. Well, a, a way to try to make it more fun to watch them again. Because like you said, you're watching them for the 3,000th time, sometimes you it's not as much fun. But this is at least a new way to think about it. Well, it, gives you a, it gives you a reason to pay a little more attention versus just plopping your kid down in front of it to get him out of your hair for a few minutes. And Yes, we do that, and I'm not ashamed of it. Um, no. But it, it lets you engage with the movie a little bit more. And engage with your kid, too. And then, especially once they get a little bit older, mm-hmm. you know, we can use this stuff to help build a campaign for them to play in, you can yep. let them create a character, and then they meet. Do you want to be Elsa? Do you want to cast? Well, not you know, not even that. But, I mean, you can use that as a descriptor for how they, you know, help them explain the game yeah. to them. But I'm even talking of building like a, a campaign world around Disney stuff. So, you know, well, you travel to Arendelle and you uh, Elsa and Anna send you, you a on quest. a quest. Right. And Who then do you, you meet? Right, and then you go meet the different Disney the princesses or whatever. They, there's even more than the princesses movies, yeah. obviously. But you go find the dwarves in the in their cottage, and you know you help them with something. Right, and, you yeah. know it, it keeps it engaged. It's something for them to do. It's a, an easy way to bring the family together, mm-hmm. and something that you can keep in common. And like I said, the more you the three thousand first time you watch this movie, you're like, oh, that's another idea I can use to tie this game in together. Right. And there's just a lot of cool D and D ideas within these Disney movies. If you can look at it with that perspective. Right. Well, and it, like you said, like you don't even have to look at the big overall picture. I mean, you could just put Wandering Oaken's trading post in the middle of a D&D adventure and see who picks up on the fact that that's Wandering Oaken. Right. And that's an, another cool thing of the limited DMing and stuff I've done is what can I take from other places and slip into the game so that's less prep work you have to do. Right. Like if I want to create this Disney D&D world or whatever... Well, let's see. There's castles already in place. There's locations already in place. Your NPCs are already created. Your bad guys are there. Everything's already there. It's just, and like you said, even then it's, you know, our regular D&D game, if I wasn't running one of the um, the starter set game for it right then, I could, like I said, throw Wandering Oaken's trade, oh, trade yeah. post, or name an N- NPC Sven. Yeah. And see who picks up on the fact that I just named something after a reindeer. <laughs> you know? It's it's little things but, like that. But what character would you name after a reindeer? Any of them, a druid. <laughs> um, Obviously. Um, but yeah, it just it gives you a new lens to look at these Disney movies, um, even even old ones that you've watched again or watched in the past, mm-hmm. and watch it again. Well, and it gives. I mean, like you said, it gives you something that you can focus on while you're having to watch it again, rather than. You know, some of the other things that we focus on where I'm like, wait a minute, why didn't they name it like this? <laughs> yeah, it, like I said, just that having that lens of it, it kind of makes it new for you again, too. Mm-hmm. makes it a little more pleasant putting up with the Disney stuff again. Okay, so any last thought, thoughts on Frozen? We can do Frozen 2 at another day, or we want to try to get into Frozen 2 now? No, we'll, uh, we'll save Frozen 2 for another one. I th- think we've gone about long enough on this. And, no, I mean, just to anybody out there listening to it, 
try that out. Try that perspective out. It doesn't just apply to Disney movies. That's what we're going to work no, on. anything you can Mainly because of the children we have here, so we watch a lot of Disney movies. But look at any movie, and you'll see the same kind of thing. Any good movie. Any good movie. It's even in bad movies, too. Well, that's true. It's just not done as well. <laughs> Obviously. Um, but, but really, you, I mean, like you said, Lord of the Rings. I mean, because that, well, I mean, that one That doesn't count. That's, <laughs> I mean, the books were around before this game existed and everything like that anyway. They were. They um, were. But just to look at movies and it makes you, especially if you try to do any dungeon mastering DMing stuff, the idea is, one, you can just straight steal them and put them into a game. Two, that's a great way to get new people into playing this game. Yeah, because you can relate it to something they Right, know. oh, you like Lord of the Rings? Cool, we can play Lord of the Rings style games. Oh, you like Harry Potter? Cool, we can play a Harry Potter style game. You know, Doctor, you can fit any of that stuff into the umbrella that is D&D. It's, you know, the quintessential, the oldest, the one of the original style of his games. Yeah. And you can learn a lot from watching how these people make these successful movies on how to create your own stuff. I know it's helped me, like I said, in the limited stuff I've done with it. Well, there's a formula. Right. It's what works. Yeah. There's a formula. And you can take that and you can definitely apply it. And just like I said, it gives you a new uh, a new lens to enjoy some old movies. You can go pick out, get your Disney Plus subscription, go through, right. watch some old movies, and just like get, get a notepad out. Yeah. It's like, hey, that's a good idea. I like how they did that there. Oh, look at that twist. That works. I can put that in my game here. And even if you've got a game already going, if you've been a DM for 20 years, you can. there's always good ideas out there that you hadn't thought of. Mm-hmm. And some of them are in kids' movies. Who knew? Who knew? Thank you for listening to Geek and Country's D20 Date Night Discussions. If you enjoyed what you heard, you can check us out on our website, geekandcountry.com. Please share and subscribe for more content. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, and Twitter. The links are in the description.